grace and mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today comes from Romans chapter 8. Paul says, Accordingly, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you are about to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, during my time in Latvia, on Camp Adazi, I was witness to more than a few summary hearings. Summary hearings are the military's version of court. There is no jury, just the accused. And the accused is allowed to have an advising officer. And then there is one other officer that acts as judge, jury, and executioner, if you will, of the sentence. When these cases are held, it is held in the open. And every soldier, sailor, and aviator that can attend is encouraged to attend. I attended very often because those being charged often came to me and talked to me for support beforehand. And I was there at their trial to offer any support that I could as their chaplain. While I was on tour, these rules changed. No longer was the accused called the accused but simply the member. The member was no longer marched in and made to stand at attention for the whole summary trial, now called a summary hearing. But the most dramatic change out of all of the changes of the summary hearing was this. Instead of needing to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, now it simply needed to be proved or probability of 51% that the member had committed the infraction. It was all on the officer conducting the summary hearing to determine if that threshold of 51% had been met. To be certain, they were not trying murderers, but these infractions could have had ramifications on the career of the member accused. All of this based on evidence, not irrefutable evidence, not beyond a reasonable doubt evidence, but evidence based on probability. The member was probably drunk. The member probably broke curfew. The member probably is guilty. Now, maybe I've watched too many television shows and think, no, there has to be no doubt beyond a reasonable doubt, no question of guilt, and only then can we be certain of just punishment. In today's lesson, Paul says, Accordingly, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Instead, he says, if you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. What evidence do I have that I have done this? That I've put to death the misdeeds of my body? Examining my own life, have I put God before self? No. Have I honored God's name as I should? No. Have I held God's word as the authority in my life and lived as if it were the only truth to which I must cling? No. Have I honored those in authority over me? No. Have I protected as I should, honored my wife as I should, been generous as I should, spoken kindness as I should, defended my neighbor's reputation as I should? Have I been as content as I should be with the goodness that God gives me? No and no and no. And what evidence is there that I have not kept God's law as I should? Well, the word of God convicts me, saying, There is no one righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God forbid that I ever forget his word. There is another piece of evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that I have not put to death the misdeeds of my body. And it is this I am dying. We are dying. 
We are a sinful people, a damnable people headed in the same direction. The grave. I can say with all certainty, you are dying. Even if your body and mind still functions as it should, give it a couple years and it will be like mine starting to fail and become frail, to weaken and to wane. Death is not a probability for us, but a certainty. What is evident is that I am dying and that I have not put to death the misdeeds of the body. Paul says, live in sin and you will die, but die to sin and you will live. The jury is in, folks. I am dying. The evidence is irrefutable for any of us. In the army, when the infractions are read at the summary hearing, the accused is allowed to make an admission of guilt. And it is looked upon favorably when the member admits they did wrong. In that hearing, when everyone's sitting there, there's a shift in the tenor and tension in the room when the accused says to the officer, I admit to all the aforementioned infractions. They take their lumps for breaking the rules. But it is usually taken into account that the member took responsibility for their rule-breaking and their punishment is reduced. In the court of our king, we'd make admissions Sunday after Sunday. We repent for the misdeeds of our body. The difference is, is that your repentance, no matter how sincere, does not relieve you of your guilt. Your repentance in no way will extend your life. Your repentance does not grant you the forgiveness of sins. In sum, there is all kinds of evidence that we are sinful and dying and no evidence that we have put to death the misdeeds of our body. Now for many Christians, maybe most in North America, the prevailing sign that repentance is sincere, that one is Christian, is that there is a visible change in misdeeds, that there is a progression towards being better. The parable of the sower is often twisted to ask the question, what kind of soil are you? But when I look at that parable, I think, have I not at times misunderstood the kingdom of God? Have I not at times received the word with joy, but when tribulation has come to my doorstep, have I not been angry with God for the test? Have not the worries of this life choked out the joy that Christ has given me? Looking for evidence of Christ in my life, have I produced a hundred or sixty or thirty times the crop? And if so, where's the evidence? So many people want to prove their Christianity by their works. But in the face of the evidence of sin leading to death, what can they possibly point to? What can I possibly point to? And yet you know where I am going to point you to. Not to you, not to your repentance, not to your resolve, not to your will or your works. I'm going to point you to Jesus. Paul says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit does not bring evidence of your sin to drive you to the law, to drive you to the tablets, to drive you to despair, to drive you to the grave, but to drive you to the crib of Christ to see your God in the flesh, born of a woman, to live as a man under the law, to fulfill the law perfectly for our sake. The Holy Spirit points you to the cross of Christ to show you your crucified Savior on that cross with the misdeeds of your body in His body. 
pinned there to die with the misdeeds of thought and word and deed in his flesh, bleeding and dying to pay for our sins. The Holy Spirit points you to the empty crypt of Christ to show that death held not the Son of God and so shall it hold you neither. Paul clearly states, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Yes, there is evidence that we are sinful and dying, including our own admission. But even our own admission points to the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Our repentance is a gift. We are forgiven not because we repent, but we repent because we are forgiven. We know where to turn for the forgiveness of sins, and that is our Savior who paid for sins once and for all in our place and for our sake. Dear friends, you are forgiven in Christ, and salvation is yours. I proclaim this to you Sunday after Sunday. But where's the evidence? I give you the evidence as God gives it to you in water and wafer and wine and word. God says through his prophet Isaiah, my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And what is that thing? Your salvation. God's word made flesh died for the forgiveness of your sins. God's spirit given you in the waters of baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. God's flesh and blood in with and under wafer and wine for the forgiveness of your sins. And all of this to adopt you as his children and to bring you safely home. What is evident is God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. God's love lasts to bring you through this life unto life everlasting. It's not a possibility. It's not a 51% probability. It is 100% certain. Your sins are forgiven in Christ and salvation is yours. Case closed. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now let us pray. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in and through Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Hi. Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.